Worship was good, boy. I don't know about y'all, but uh, whoo, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I had, I had a few of those. Thank you, Lord. I had a few of those moments. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing? It's glad, I'm glad to see all of your faces. I'm Mo, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. Uh, you know, this is a treat for our guests because I don't get to preach very often. Uh, this is my second time. Amen. It's a treat. Y'all get a treat. I'm a treat today. Amen. So I'm excited to, to stand before you. I, I, honestly, I, I'm excited I get to contribute to this sermon series that we're in, Who Needs the Church? Um, I, man, Pastor John and Pastor uh, Tripp have been leading us well through that, that, that series, this series, and it's been awesome. It's been encouraging for my soul. I actually, I, I want to rejoin the church. Amen. I mean, can we do that? Uh, uh, is that okay? I don't know. Is that okay? All right. No, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Um, but let's uh, read the text. Um, um, I'm preaching on today, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just jump right into it. Amen? Uh, why don't you turn to your Bibles, and if you don't mind just standing up for us, uh, if you can, if you have a Bible, just stand up as I read God's Word, um, and then we're going to jump right into it. Um, Hebrews 10, starting at verse 23. It's only three verses uh, to, 20, uh, to 25. It says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another uh, to provoke love. Uh, to, uh, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, you're good to us. You're gracious to us. You're gracious to me, God. Even today, I get to stand before your people, God, and we get to break bread together, God. So I'm thankful, Lord, uh, for this opportunity, uh, God, and we're all thankful that we, we, we can hear you and respond to your word, God, because we're your children, God. So, Daddy, speak to us, God, as your children, God. Lead us, God. Allow your Holy Spirit to move in our lives in such a way that it brings about repentance and obedience, Father, to your word. We thank you, Lord. Hide me behind your cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can sit up. Y'all can be seated. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I used to play outside all the time. That's what I used to do. I used to just play outside. I, I didn't spend most of my time in the house. And so one of the things I used to do, I used to ask my mom, hey, hey, mom, can I go around the block? I had friends who lived around the block. So the question I used to ask my mom all the time, hey, mom, can I go around the block? And, and I would just, I mean, she would love the fact that, you know, like to send me out because I was, a, I was good at home, but I was kind of a terror at times. And so I would, <laughs> amen. Uh, and one of the things, uh, the things that, I, that was unique about me when, I, when she sent me out to go around the block is, is that, man, it seemed like in, in growing up in the 90s, everybody knew who you were, right? I couldn't get away with anything growing up. You know what I'm saying? So when I went around the block, you know, some reason I just, I, w I would leave all the home training I had behind. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I ain't know how to act. You know what I'm saying? And so one of the things I would do, I would just run on people's lawns playing football. I would go knock on people's doors and just run away. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, hey, don't act like y'all ain't do it. I did, y'all did, y'all right there with me probably. Uh, and I, and, but for some reason, I, I didn't understand a few things. I, I didn't understand the fact that just because I was around the block, doesn't mean that I couldn't get caught. You know what I'm saying? I thought I could just get caught. I could do whatever I want. I'm around the block. No one's going to know who I am. But it was one time that I, I did get caught. Um, I was running through somebody's backyard trying to get home. And when I ran through somebody's backyard, this lady called out to me. Now, this wasn't the first time I did this, so she knew I was going to do it. I think she was waiting there, just waiting for me to run through something. Like, it was just funny. So she was there, and I heard somebody call out. Now, I was with my friend. Now, he, he kept moving, and, and I just stopped. I, you know, I froze. I was paralyzed. And I remember stopping, and she said, come here, young man. And I came over to her, and I said, yes, ma'am, you know, with head high down. She's like, she looked at me a little funny. She kind of get that squint, you know, boy, is you, is you Latifah's boy? That's my mama name, Queen Latifah. Are you Latifah's boy? 
And I was like, oh, man, you know, I did, huh? You know, I did one of them. You know what I'm saying? That's how you respond. You're a teenager. You're like, huh? What, what's he talking about? I don't know who that is. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So what I did was, man, it just caught me. It caught me off guard that she even knew who I was. Then she called my mama, and let's just say my mother did not believe in sparing the rod. And so, you know, I was in trouble. That question going around the block, the answer was always no. But in my neighborhood, it was like this sense of responsibility. Everybody was responsible for one another during that time, right? Everybody, like, you couldn't get away with nothing. I, I go around the block, and, and, and everybody was looking. It's like all eyes on me and my, and my friends. And, and I just remember everybody just feeling this sense of responsibility. Like, we couldn't act out of character. We just couldn't go anywhere, and people wouldn't notice who we were and know who our family was. Amen? I, I remember it, it, it was like back then it was like a village really did raise a child. I remember that. Uh, I, I remember people used to say things. Y'all remember this phrase, your mama didn't raise you like this. Somebody just told me about my boy the other day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you didn't raise Josiah like this. And I was like, hold on, Ryan, what you saying? I know what that means. I know what that means. But that's true, though, right? And in the church, it's kind of like my neighborhood. There's a sense of responsibility we're supposed to have for one another, right? It's a sense that we're, we're supposed to look at each other and watch out for one another. And so sometimes I think we don't realize that's our responsibility to one another, amen? One of the things that we got to do is we got to remind each other because some of us, are, are, we, sometimes we don't act like we're Christians, amen? We don't act like we know Jesus. And so sometimes we got to remember that yo, 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 your heavenly father is not raising you like this. Your heavenly father is not raising you like this. So when, I, so, so, so when we think of church membership, I look at my neighborhood as an example. We're to look out for one another. We're to help each other walk with Jesus. Thank you. Somebody, I, I need some break. I, I got to get a, uh, some water. You know, I need an amen in the middle. <laughs> uh, I'm battling the cold, so y'all stay with me. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I think John pointed out something important when he preached uh, 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 last week. He said, man, he, he talked about, this is, uh, when we talk about church membership, we're talking about authority too, that we allow people to have authority in our lives. And I think, and, and, and to be honest with ourselves, sometimes I don't think we really want somebody to tell us how to live as Christians. Do we? We, we don't want somebody reminding us, man, we're not acting like Christians, no, do we? Uh, some of us might be thinking, and this is the, uh, even that, well, why do I need to be a, a member of a church? I have a relationship with God. I don't need people looking out for me. I'm not that bad little kid like you were, Mo. I can take care of myself. First of all, I would say, no, you can't take care of yourself. People need to be out watching out for you. The Bible does not advocate individualism like John said, but God uses relationships to help us with our transformation. According to Ephesians 4.15, we are to mature together by speaking truth in love. Amen. The Bible advocates interdependent relationships that help one another follow Jesus. We need others to help us grow to maturity. We need people to care for us both spiritually, right, and, and, our, and our physical well-being. Listen, membership means we are to help each other look like Jesus, amen? We're not just, uh, 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 well, we're not just supposed to take a responsibility of our own uh, relationship with Jesus. It's not just one person's responsibility. It's not just the pastor's responsibilities, but it's the members of the church's responsibility, right? We're to prepare one another to meet Jesus. Now, John uh, talked about last week the concept of church being a family, and, and the label member only has its value in who you're making the commitment to love, Amen. I want to talk to you about this responsibility of what it means to be a family and what it looks like tangibly. So our text today is Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. It might sound familiar because Tripp stole my passage a few weeks ago. I just want to make sure you understand. <laughs> no, but seriously, he talked about verse 25 mostly when it talks about our need to gather together regularly on Sunday morning. And that's important that we gather together on Sunday morning. It is. 
It's a unique experience where we get to do baptisms, communion. It's, a first, it's on one of the only times throughout the week that we all gather together as a church and members, and we worship God together, and we sit under the pastor's teaching, amen? But we all know that's not the only time we gather together, right? That's not the only time we're supposed to gather together. We're not just Sunday Christians, are we? Our faith doesn't revolve just around Sunday, but it's our life together, amen? So there's two responsibilities we're going to talk about that I pulled from Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. We have two responsibilities. First, we have the responsibility to remind each other that we're Christians. And two, we have to help reinforce each other, to live as Christians. So our text today, uh, Hebrews 10, I'm going to read it again. Verse 23 through 25, it says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke uh, 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 each other to love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, when we look at the book of Hebrews, we've got to know the context in which it's written. So the context in which it's written is that these, these were Christian converts who were being persecuted. They were, they, they were facing some hardships in their lives, and they were tempted to, 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 to uh, fall away. In other words, to, to leave the faith altogether. Doesn't that sound familiar? So I don't want us to be too distant from this text. So when hard things happen in our lives, the first thing we don't run to sometimes is Jesus, right? We run to other things, don't we? Sometimes we waver in our faith when things get hard in our lives. We don't want to trust Jesus. We don't trust anything else but Jesus. We want to trust money. We want to trust relationships. We want to trust something else. So when times get hard, these people were encouraging each other to trust in Jesus. One of the unique things about this book is that uh, it exalts Jesus above everything else. It talks about the gospel being our only hope. For mankind, Jesus is presented as better than the old lifestyle, the old way of believing. But now we have a new way of believing. And we have a new way uh, uh, of of living. And Tripp even said a couple of weeks ago that Jesus is the only thing that's trustworthy, right? Now, when we get to the text today, he gives us an exhortation. This exhortation is to a community of faith. It's not towards an individual. It's it's towards a, a, a community to help us learn what it looks like to continue to follow and walk with Jesus. See, in verse 23, even 22, let's start with there, 22, 23, and 24, it has this phrase, let us, let us, and it's repeated, let us do this, let us do this, let us do this. And the first, even in verse 22, it says, let us draw near. You should be asking, draw near to what? Draw near to who? Or each other? No, but it's talking about drawing near to Jesus. So together we draw near to Jesus. What it's trying to teach us is that today, uh, as as Christians, we, we don't walk with Jesus alone. Your relationship with Jesus does not revolve around yourself, but with other people. Look, God's provision for us to individually walk with Jesus is the church. If you think you can walk with Jesus alone by yourself, you're, you're mistaken. You can't do it. No one can do it. You'll fall. You'll stumble. You won't be able to do it. I know that's tough to realize, but most of the time in our life, all we think about is like how we can become better Christians. How we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. It's a we, we, we uh, uh, kind of conversation. It's all about me, myself, and I, amen? That's, I mean, uh, amen or oh me. Because I know that's true. It's all, we talk about our relationship with Jesus, it always revolves around how we can grow as Christians. Singular. Or how I can grow. That's singular. Not about how we grow. Listen, we're called out of darkness into light when we become Christians. We're called into a relationship with God, but we're also called into a relationship with his people. We're not called into individualism, right? Growing up, I used to watch these movies, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, y'all remember him, Rambo. I used to call myself Rambro. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One of the unique characteristics about Rambo or Jean-Claude Van Damme or, or Steven Seagal and the characters they played was the fact that they, they, they were like loners. Like they would just beat up a thousand of people, you know, thousands of people, right? They would take on whole armies by themselves and wouldn't get even a scratch on them, right? I mean, the only time I saw a superhero or, or, or a figure like that get, get, uh, get injured is when, uh, what was it called, uh, Die Hard with Bruce Willis. And the only time he got hurt was when he stepped on glass. Bullets flying everywhere. But when I step on glass, I'm hurt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just weird. But one of the things I noticed is that these people would just try to take on armies by themselves. It almost sounds comical, isn't it? We're laughing about it. But what's serious about this is, and it was sad, is that we think individually we can defeat sin and we can persevere through life by ourselves, just like Rambo. We think we can just muscle through life. So again, our culture promotes individualism. We think if we ask for help, that we're worthless and we don't, and we're not worth anything and we're weak. That's why this, these two small words, let us, is so significant. It's saying everyone needs someone to help them walk with Jesus in this life. We're unable to thrive, uh, thrive and, and, and grow by ourselves. So when we move to our first point, the, less, the first point, uh, is when it says let us, it says let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since he who promises faithful. This means that we, we have the responsibility as a member of a church to remind each other that we're Christians. Listen, what I mean by when I say we're Christians, it means where we place our hope. A Christian place his hope solely or her hope solely in Jesus Christ, amen? And what Christ has done on the cross for them, Amen. We should know that. That should be something. Hey, amen? amen? All right. I need to hear y'all. If that's what a Christian is, our only hope is in Jesus. We place our faith and, and trust in the gospel of Jesus or what he's done on the cross on our behalf. That's what a, a Christian is. Listen, I, I think it's important to understand what the Bible also means by, by the confession of our hope. Let's look at uh, chapter 9 uh, and chapter 10 in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I want to read uh, verse 10 in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 10. It says, by this will, we have been sanctified through, listen to this, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. And in verse 19, it, it goes on and says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the boldness to enter, listen, we have the boldness to enter through the blood of Jesus. And in chapter 9, verse 15, it, it talks about this promise we get. Uh, this inheritance. Therefore, he is the mediator. It's, it's kind of like saying through of the new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Listen, Jesus has become or he is the final sacrifice of our sins, right? The, in the Old Testament, the priest would go and sacrifice bulls and goats for the sins of the people. And, but they would have to do that year after year. And so they would rack up sin and then he'd go sacrifice. They'll rack up more sin and then he goes sacrifice. They'll offer Listen, sin has created a debt that we could not pay, amen? Uh, Jesus is the only one who can pay, and he paid with his life. The blood of Jesus didn't just forgive, give us forgiveness, but it gave us access. And because Jesus, we have been brought back to God, and now we have peace with God. And not only that, we don't just have peace with God, he's adopted us into his family, amen? That, hey, that's, that's some gospel that we need to be shouting over. That's the good news. That's the hope of our confession. That we are no longer objects of God's wrath, but we are his children and we reign with him in heaven. Amen? Amen. This is the confession of our hope. This is what our, our this is, again, this is not even a private confession. This is a corporate confession, y'all. This is a corporate confession. We make this together. It's what we center ourselves around. It's the reason why me and Richard are friends. 
that somebody from Detroit, Michigan, and Cleveland, Ohio can be friends. It's why I met my wife, because our faith in Jesus unites us and keeps us together. It's why this church exists. It's not standing on anything. When we talk about where the cornerstone, the cornerstone and the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. What binds us in our relationship together is Jesus and him alone. Nothing else. Our church, our church is built on nothing else but Christ. And that's the truth of what, the way we're built and what, what, what surrounds our, our culture here today in this church. We want to build on what Jesus has done. We want to hold on to the confession of our hope. And so let me just make sure it's clear. I don't, I'm not saying if we hold on to the confession of hope, it keeps us saved. No more than good works keeps us saved. But it does prove that we are his. Amen? Perseverance in, in this Christian life proves that we know Jesus. Again, let me, I, know, I know a lot of us get it twisted. We think we can go through life all solo dolo. We think we can muscle through life like Rambo or Rambro. I mean, whoever you choose to be. Uh, the fact of the matter, at times we waver in our faith, don't we? We waver and we let other things consume us. We all have Christ replacements, let's be honest. If we don't like to admit that some, we don't, sometimes we don't even like to admit that something else has become ultimate in our lives. Most of us think that it has to be something bad, but that's why sin is so deceitful. It's not always the bad stuff, y'all. Usually good things be, in our lives become our hope instead of Jesus. We need to remind each other, and we need to remind each other daily that our hope is in Jesus and nothing else. Look, our hope is not in, sec- in the security of our jobs, in the love of our spouse, or the admiration of our kids. Our hope is not in our circumstances or what will happen to us in this life. Our hope is in Christ and in the life to come. Amen? Our responsibility to one another is as we start to waver in in our hope is to remind each other that these things don't save. These things offer temporal security, temporal love, temporal admiration. They will perish. Listen, I love when somebody says, when they're talking about money, you can't take it with you. Because you can't. It's temporal. Everything in this life is temporal. Nothing we can take with us. The only thing we can hold on is to the gospel. The only thing that we can tangibly take with us into the next life is the truth about who Jesus Christ is. So everything, when we try to build our, our, our land or we try to build ourselves on something else besides, besides Christ, it's sinking sand. That's why that hymn says that. Everything is sinking sand. sand. I remember when I did campus ministry on uh, NC Central's campus, uh, I remember I was uh, just going out sharing the gospel with, uh, with some students, and I remember I, I saw this one dude. You know, sometimes you see a person, you're just looking at him like, you don't really belong here. I mean, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The dude, he looked he look grown. Like, you look like you're too old to be in school, or you're just here. Like, you know, you ain't trying to, it ain't a fashion show. The brother's just here. And so when I looked at him, I just know, I was like, I got to speak to this dude. I got to speak to him. I remember going up to him, I sat down with him, and we just started rapping. I was like, hey, bro, you know, and I, and I was bold. When I said this, brother, I said, man, let me ask a question. Let me ask this question. I said, what are you living for? And that brother looked at me, he was like, man, I'm living for my daughter, man. You know what I'm saying? He was kind of hood, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, bro, I got you, I got you. And I was even more bold. And I don't recommend this. This ain't prescriptive. I said, man, and I, because I, I could have got me hurt. Uh, <laughs> I asked him, what if your daughter died? Then what do you live for? And he looked at me, he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, having kids, everything, a lot of things we can put our hope in. But we got to remember those things are temporal. They're not going to last forever. And so what we do as a Christian community, we help people not put their hope in the things that are perished, but the things that are everlasting. Look, I, one of the things that I, I love to ask people 
um, is even I ask myself daily is, man, can people tell where I place my hope? Can people tell where you place your hope? When you're walking around, when you go to your job, even your spouse, can she tell or he tell where you put your hope? Amen. They probably know it's the best. My kids know I put my hope in my PS4 sometimes. Y'all think y'all laughing. My kid would come up to me, Josiah come up to me and be like, Daddy, you spend more time with your PS4 than us. Okay, son. You know what I'm saying? Get in your room. That's what you want to do. Get in your room. Nah. But it's true. He, he looked at one of the idols that I build in my life. Let me ask this question. To the church, to the members of Cornerstone, if people were to look at this church, would they say that we're helping each other look like Jesus or follow Jesus? There are moments in the church I'm blown away. I've seen in the face of tragedy, I've seen in the face of tragedy, death, death. I've seen in death, people hold on to the hope. And, and one of the key ingredients is that it was us. They didn't walk through it alone. People were encouraging people to walk with Jesus. They were using God's word. They were praying for one another. And, and, and I know there's testimony after testimony. I, if I could list, I, 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 didn't, I wouldn't have time. It would take the rest of my sermon, about 23 minutes. Amen. <laughs> Look, the more I, the more I, I get older, the, the more I'm convinced that communities become what they devote themselves to. They do. I, I remember growing up as, 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 as in, in high school, I, you know, I wanted to try out for the basketball team, and we had an amazing basketball team. I'm from Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Um, you don't need to know where that is, but uh, we really had an amazing, I know there's somebody from Cleveland probably here, uh, we had an amazing basketball team. And dudes were like legends. If you played on the basketball squad, you were an instant legend. But one of the things that, you know, it was unique about my uh, uh, trying out for the basketball team, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you go to a basketball trial, it's like 40 dudes at most. It was hundreds of dudes coming to open gyms trying to try out uh, for the basketball team. So you know me, what I found out, well, first of all, I walked in, saw hundreds of dudes, and I walked out. I was like, ain't no way I'm making this team. <laughs> ain't no way I'm making this team. But one of the things I, I saw was, after learning the process, is that most of the time, if you're going to make the squad, you have to play for the AAU team. So you would have to give up your summers. I ain't going to do that. No, nah, that ain't me. You have to give up so much time and effort, train, like two a day, three a days. I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. Another thing I found out was th the coach was recruiting in middle school. Like, he would be looking for players. Like, and if you weren't playing on that system since middle school, you're not making a squad. And look, I was horrible in middle school. Like, I didn't start picking up a basketball until ninth grade. So I knew I didn't have a chance. But here's the thing. My, our team was good. They were nationally ranked. They won state titles. Most of those guys went to, went to go on to play for D1 schools or D2 schools. Even the worst players went to play D1, and they had success overseas. They were devoted to, to becoming a great basketball program. So what's my point? Look, church, we will only become what we devote ourselves to. Look at Acts 2, verse 42. We can see the early church and what they devoted themselves to. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Listen, this is what the early church devoted themselves to, spending time together in each other's homes, understanding the gospel better. They were eating together. They were praying together. Listen, this is what helped them hold on. This is what helped them hold on to the confession of their hope. Their activity together was focused on helping each other grow in their faith. They were committed to each other in their spiritual growth, community. Listen. This is what I want our church to keep doing. I want us to continue to, to, to then let our fellowships and our community be devoted to communing with God. Look, we don't want to push God out of, the, uh, out of our social interactions. We don't want to do that. 
Listen, I know there's other things we can do. We can go roller skating. We can go do all these other fun things. And those are great things to do. But let's not just push God to the side. We need to make more efforts to encourage each other with God's word and pray with one another. Listen, I don't, we don't mandate this as a church, but I encourage you, if you're a member of the church, get involved in a community group. Amen? Come on, all our community group people need to be like this. Get involved in a community group. Uh, if you can't do that, and I'm not going to make you feel bad if you can't get involved in a community group. Your time and all the other things and other factors might not be, it might not be possible. But we, we, do, we, we, do, we do this in such a way. We organize uh, uh, the programming of the church in such a way that, look, we, make t- we want you to be able to make time for people. So we don't put a whole bunch of stuff on your calendar. We want you to make time for, for deep, intimate relationships because that's what we need to be doing. I want to say this again. Man, look, the early church didn't need programming to, to have good fellowship and community. Amen? If you're looking for a church to, to, to create programming so you can get involved and get deep relationships, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and it shouldn't be that way. What led them to deep commitment in relationships was the fact that the Holy Spirit was moving amongst their community. If the Spirit is moving in Cornerstone Church, we're in each other's lives. We're devoting ourselves to these type of things. That's what the Spirit looks like. It unites us. It unites us around the right things. And again, I'm not saying that you can't be united around some other things. Like, you know, let's, let's go hang out and shoot some hoop. You know what I'm saying? I love doing that. But at any time, it, it shouldn't be a surprise if somebody's saying, how are you doing with your walk with the Lord? At any time, while playing basketball or while, while, while doing each other's hair. I don't know what y'all do, sisters. I'm just, just making, yeah, I'm making generalizations. Don't, don't, don't stone me up here. <laughs> but as y'all doing stuff together... When are you asking, hey, what are you studying in God's word? What, what, when do you ask these questions? Only at community group? Only during Sunday service? God forbid we wouldn't do those things. That's not what we want. Listen, I, I'm an IG stalker. Y'all know me. Everybody knows I'm a troll on IG. If you, if you post and stuff, I'm going to say something. If you, you know, I'm going to hey, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? I'm all that. My, my fingers are hot, boy. I'm double tapping and all that stuff. I like what you're doing. One of the things I get excited about is when I see our community together and they're uniting. I love seeing pictures. I love seeing people's Insta snap and they're just hanging together. They're dancing. They're rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. I love saying that. That encourages me. And I want us to do more of that. Here's the question, though. Uh, and, and it goes back to what I was just saying a little bit earlier. Here's the question. Who's responsible for you to encourage you when you walk with the Lord? And who, who are you responsible for? And if it's hard for you to answer that question, look, I'm going to tell you right now, some of us are like me. I'm an introvert. It's hard for me to muster up the strength to talk to new people. So that's why we need to utilize some of the little bit of programming that we had to get involved in a community group. But here's the other thing, though. Look, you've got to have somebody that's responsible for you. You've got to be responsible. You've got to sense the responsibility that you have for each other. Amen? So what I'm asking us to do, what am I asking us to do? What I'm asking us is to point each other to, uh, to Jesus, but I'm tangibly asking you to deepen our relationships past personal interests. Start talking about where we're at with the Lord, whether good or bad, y'all, <laughs> whether good or bad. Each of us n- should be asking the question, how did, just, it, just off, off top, how did you come to know the Lord? Hear people's testimonies and stories. That's why one thing that baptism does, I love to hear somebody's story. One thing I get the privilege of doing as a, as a pastor of, of this church is that when people become members, I get to sit down with them and hear their story. But that's just not my responsibility. That's all our responsibilities to know where everybody's at 
in this church. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to gather together in one big old circle, like everybody in this room, and now everybody share their testimony. That's not what I'm saying. But there should be small groups of people that are uh, dedicated to, to helping each other, growing together, to flourish in their relationship with the Lord. Amen? That's more practical. Let me ask a question. When's the last time you confessed sin to somebody? Oh, I, I, I might be the only one in here who sins daily. I hope I'm not because, you know, it says if you don't sin you're, and you claim not to be with sin, uh, have sin, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But when's the last time you confessed sin to somebody? When's, somebody, when's the last time somebody confronted you? Confronted you. One of the things I love is that I, I tell this story even in New Mirrors Orientation. I remember one sister, she heard me teach a New Mirrors Orientation about stuff like that, confronting one another and, and encouraging and talking to each other about our sin. I remember this one sister after that came up to me and was like, well, I got something to talk to you about, Pastor Mo," <laughs> And confronted me about my sin, how I was treating Josiah. It radically changed my parenting at that moment because I couldn't hide anymore. Christ's Christ light was shining on my sin at that moment. And, it, and it, it allowed healing. It allowed repentance. See, here's the thing. If we don't give each other a chance to repent of sin, then what are we doing here, church? I need an opportunity for somebody. If you see something in my life that's unholy, please say something. I'm, I'm thinking personally. I hope everybody's saying, me too, me too. Because we all need this. <laughs> Man, the Lord is good to this church, and he's been able to cultivate deep and honest relationships. But we got to do more. we got to do more. And so my second point is this. We not only have the responsibility to remind each other that we're Christians, but we also have the responsibility to help reinforce each other to live as Christians. The text says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, y'all know I got kids. I, mean, I just mentioned my, my son Josiah. I have another son, Elisha. Josiah happens to be three years older than Elisha. And one of the things I'm trying to teach my, my son Josiah is, man, you got to look out for your brother, man. That brother, that brother, if you know Elisha, you know he needs to be watched out for. Amen? Uh, I love him, but he, he, he be on the, he, I don't know. I don't know, Lord. Can you please save him, Lord, now, early. Um, that's what I've been praying. That's my prayer. But one, <laughs> Amen. But, when, when, but, but I, I try to teach him to, to watch out for Elisha. And so, you know, sometimes I, and I know Elisha, what he's going to do. Now, something's going to either, either end up broken, written on, or just plain toe up. And I did say toe. I, I'm not saying tear. I know how to say tear. But he toe, he, he toe up something. When, Joe, when, when, when Elisha get his hands on something, he don't break it completely. Somehow he get toe up. I, I don't know. Y'all tell me how that happens. But he's, that's what he does. But so I have to have this little conversation with Elisha. My wife knows this. Um, like, well, what are you doing? You know, that one. Son, you know, that one. Then I have this other, and I have this other conversation with Eli- uh, Josiah. Son, I, hold on, man. I, I could have sworn. Now, this is bad parenting because I, I should have been watching him in the first place. But it's a son, you know what I'm saying? I, I thought I told you to watch out for your little brother. And he looks at me all confused. He's like, man, Dad, I was watching him, God. Dad, what you think? I was watching him do it. I, I was watching out for him. <laughs> So, uh, so what do I mean when I ask Josiah to watch out for his brother? Uh, one thing I know about Elisha is he's probably going to start to live in a way and act uh, in a way contrary to the commands I've given him. Amen? Y'all know, what a, y'all know what a five-year-old does. A five-year-old, you can tell him, like, man, look, you can only tell him one thing, one thing, and then they can, get, then they can do it. But sometimes I'll be loading on, hey, son, I need you to do this, 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 and you guess what's going to happen? He's going to break. 
Uh, at least all four of the rest of the ones I give him. You know what I'm saying? He might get that one right, but everything else is done. He's done for. Amen? And so one of the things I, I know is that because he's five, because he's going to disregard my commands, and I know Josiah, because he's eight, he's much more mature. Oh, he already know the program. He know what's going to go down if he, he disobeyed daddy. He already know. He already know. Uh, there's punishment coming. Video games are going to be taken away. You know, TV's going to be Something's going to be taken away. So he already know. Like, yes, daddy, he's on standing in attention. He's like, that's my son Josiah. But most of us, we probably think we're like Josiah, but we're more like Elisha, aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we more like Elisha? Because we're tempted. When we're tempted to, to, to fall away and not obey Jesus, we just do that, don't we? We, we, we live contrary to the way God desires us to live, right? We, we, we disregard his commands and we live lives that don't reflect the confession that we've made in him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 1.27. In this verse, Paul is addressing the church of Philippi with the exhortation. He first appeals to their identity as Christian. Then he exhorts them to live a life worthy of the gospel. He then tells them to stand together and contend for the faith together. He's telling them to watch out for each other. We need each other because some of us need our lives to be checked at times. None of us are exempt of doing sinful things or saying sinful things. We are citizens of heaven, yes, but we're still sinners. We easily fall prey to our own selfish desires and act upon them. See, one of the most sobering aspects of being a Christian is that, yes, we have the propensity of doing good, but we, just, we have just as much propensity sometimes of doing bad as well. Amen? Just read Romans 7. What I want to do, I do not do. He says, I find this war, the war of the flesh and the spirit, but I'm fighting against it. But thanks be to Jesus Christ. Amen? So one of the most important things we can have is a sober assessment of our own sinfulness. So here's a question I want you to ask yourself right now. Who knows you that well to know your, your inclinations? Who knows you that well to know what you're, what you're tempted by? Who knows you that well? Who, who are you responsible for? Who's responsible for you? Who knows you that well? I remember I have, I have a friend who's a pastor as well, and in a moment of honesty and transparency, he told me, man, the thing that he, he was scared the most of in life, the thing that, that was his greatest fear is that he would cheat on his wife. So now, I, I mean, you know, I was like, whoa, you know, that's, that's big, brother, that's deep. But one of the things I, I appreciated about it was the honesty behind it, that he knows he's capable of doing horrible things. Now, I don't think we should be paranoid about that. I don't think that should be the thing that consumes us, because that can also be our master as well, the thing we hold ultimate. But here's the thing. The most tragic thing he could do is not allow people to walk alongside him and hold him accountable. Amen? We fight this fight together. We don't fight in isolation. We can't win this war against sin. We can't win this war against this life on our own. We need people holding us up, holding us accountable, loving us back to the gospel. We need that. Look, we can't, we can't allow things to be in the dark and prohibit Christ to move in our lives through the community of faith. Listen, change is a community project, friends, ain't it? It's a community project. Yeah, we can amen it, yo. We can amen it out loud. But do we amen this in pra practice, do we? What I mean is that we need others to hold us accountable, like I said, to look like Jesus. So when we're being harsh to our wife or kids, we need somebody to confront us. When we need people to keep us honest about sneaking food in the movie theater. Come on now. Uh, I'm all in your backyard now. Oh, yeah. Y'all think that ain't sinful. That is sinful. They told you you can't. Obey the laws of the land. So somebody got a loophole in this piece. Somebody, I got a loophole. But here's the thing, we need somebody to hold us accountable of when we got to our Twitter figures are hot and we're on social media and we're saying things that are mean and cruel. 
We're saying things that are hateful, angry. In a moment of weakness, we go and we lash out at people. Not, not thinking about who it's affecting and who it's impacting. One of the things that I, I want people to do is, man, look, before you post something that sounds angry, let somebody read it. Let somebody read it. Take five seconds, maybe ten, uh, but let somebody read that mug. Because you don't want, listen, what's out there will never be taken back. As much apologizing you think you can do, you can never do enough because it's impacting and hurting somebody. In this day and age, this is what we're doing. We're lashing out. Man, what happened to self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. We need to have self-control in this day and age. We can't just be angry and lashing out at people. There is no penalty for what we do. Listen, it doesn't tell us just to watch out, but it also tells us to provoke one another. I love this language. It says to provoke one another to love and good works. And honestly, what it means to provoke, that means to what? It means to evoke, to instigate. So, so, so listen, y'all, some of us need to be shoved a little bit. Let's be real. Some of us need a, a light pushing, a gentle, loving, careful pushing to do something with our lives. Most of us think our sin is, is the fact that, man, I'm not, I, what, what, what I'm not doing. And usually that, or once the thing, the, the thing is that we can, we can hold our hats on and, and hang our hats on is what I'm not doing. Sometimes that's the biggest problem is that we're not doing anything. We're not moving with God. We were just sitting idle like, man, at least I'm not doing that. <laughs> but what you're, what you're doing is you're being lazy sometimes. Sometimes God has called us to do some things, and we just won't do them because we got our own kingdoms, right? As soon as it, it causes discomfort in our lives, we don't want nobody to bother our kingdom, don't do me. I know for myself, I build my kingdom in comfort. So I'm sitting up there watching TV, I'm playing video games, and as soon as Josiah comes and bothers me, I'm like, I'm like man, go on, boy, I'm about to lose this game. Y'all know how it is. I'm on that 2K, boy. I'm on that. And I'm just like the fourth quarter. Boy, you know this is important. You know this is important. But I built my kingdom. And my kingdom needs to be crashed down. It needs to be torn apart. It needs to be crushed. And we all got kingdoms that we build that need to be crushed. Sometimes it's not what we, what we're, what we're, what we're, it's not the big sins in life, but it's the things that we ignore and we are too lazy to do. I mean, like Sunday service. Sometimes we don't, we don't make it to Sunday service because of what we did last night. Sometimes our social calendar is built around what we're going to do on Saturday, not being encouraged by God's people on Sunday. That's, nobody, that's not to make people feel guilty or ashamed, but it's calling you back to, to prioritize the things that are most important. Listen, people, sometimes it's not even loving the people. It's, it's being exclusive with our love towards people, right? So somebody we just irritate. I mean, this everybody. Everybody in this church. Everybody's a member of the church. Raise your hand if somebody that, that's irritated. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> if somebody has irritated you in this church, I think all hands need to be up. Yeah, I mean, because uh, uh, here's the thing. The closer we are together, the closer we rub shoulders together, guess what's going to happen? People going to get on our nerves. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. It's just part of the life. The more, me and, my, me and my wife, I love her. She's beautiful. Oh, Sandy, I love you, girl. Uh, <laughs> But I rub her the wrong way all the time. <laughs> yeah, I can get this look, and I know when she's like, mm. I know that face. I know it very well, very well, too well. Um, and one of the things I want to encourage us, y'all, is that, man, sometimes we just need to do something. We need to, to walk with the Lord, but we also need to quit avoiding people we dislike. Just because they irritate you don't mean we don't have to love them. 
God's called us to love everybody. Now, now let's be honest. You can't love everybody the same way, can we? We can't. But don't, don't refuse love to people that irritate you. Don't refuse love. Listen, when God calls us away from the things that are, are not productive in our lives, he's calling us to something that's more productive in our lives, that brings him glory, amen? He's calling us to love and good works. Some of us are fall, probably falling into sin regularly because we're not doing anything. We're sitting idle. We're not loving each other. We're not, we're not caring for each other. We're not, call, we're not doing any type of good works. Look, when the Lord calls us to love and good works, he's calling us things that bring us joy, the actions that benefit us and the church and even those around it. Like, even in John 13, 35, they say that we will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. Amen? But here's the thing. What does this practically look like? And we have an affectionate care for one another. Look, love is not an emotion. It does come with some feelings, but it's not primarily an emotion. It's an action. Look, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, love is patient. Now, tell me if it's an emotion. Y'all tell me if it's an emotion. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Do I hear any emotion right there? No, there's no emotions. Love finds no joy in righteousness and, and rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. First thing you've got to realize is that it, 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 there's feelings that come along with obedience to God, but these aren't feelings. These are actions that we're supposed to express to one another in community. This is the way we're supposed to interact with one another. This is how we should be judging. We should be looking at ourselves, man, am I rude? Am I patient? Have I been kind? When's the last time you've been rude to somebody or envious? When have, when's the last time you've rejoiced, rejoiced in, in unrighteousness? Man, when you, look at our, when you look at TV all day, I mean, you look at anything on TV nowadays. Most of the times we find, I find myself trying to not to laugh and stuff and rejoicing and finding joy and finding things that are empty and sinful. Sometimes we look on, see, they, they don't even value marriage. And so, you know, this woman cheated on, on her man because she really loves him. And he's not really a good man, but she married him anyway. But look at that. She loves him. This other dude. And so we rejoice in that. We clap. Girl, get your man. <laughs> Do we see? We're, we're, we're rejoicing in unrighteousness. Amen or oh me. See, one of the things I want people to realize is that does this describe your relationship with, with other people in this church? Does, does this verse describe your relationship and how you interact with people? Early in my marriage, me and Sandy went through some tough times, and she, she gave me permission to share this. It was all my fault. Uh, I'll, I'll take the ownership. I mean, I, we, we went to a counselor, and that's what he told me. He's like, uh, sir, you're the biggest problem in your relationship. And I was like, brother, <laughs> I'm not paying you hundreds of dollars to tell me I'm the problem. Come on, dog, give me something better, man. Give me something better. But I remember sitting there with him, and, just, and I was sitting there with Sandy, and I was just feeling the weight of all my sin, how big of a sinner I was. I said, Sandy, can no, she can't love this big old sinner. And I remember him looking at my wife, and he looked at me like, Sandy, you love Mo. And I remember Sandy saying, yes. You love Mo. She said, yes, I love him. I'm committed to him. He's my husband. I want him to lead me. And I'm looking at her like, dang, girl. You know what I'm saying? 
But at the same time, I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 13. I'm looking at the love of Christ, this agape love, this unconditional love. And my wife was reflecting that right there for me. Amen. Listen, listen. Our love, and when we display love, it's, a point, it's supposed to point us back to the love of Jesus. It's supposed to point us back to the love of Jesus. We should be pushing each other towards the cross. Brothers and sisters, if we allow it, even still, we'll, we'll allow things even to divide us. Like cultural differences, uh, hobbies, uh, just being an introvert divides us because we hold on to our disposition sometimes. We have to work for unity. According to Ephesians 4.3, it tells us to, to make every effort to keep the, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We need each other, guys. We need to stay unified. Even as Pastor Richard was praying, I couldn't, I was like, man, there's so many things that they just want us to divide in this culture, whether it be politics. Everything wants us to divide. But the beauty of the church is that we have unity in Christ. That's what we major in. Everything else is minor. It's not as significant as you think it is because if we're unifying over those things, those interests, those backgrounds, then they will all fall apart because they will perish. He created us a new people, a new people. He's created us a new people who have different values now. We have different values, y'all, than the world does. The things that unites the world does not, does not unite us the same way. Amen? And so even as I close... I, I think about, man, like the Lord has called us into to love and good works. And those good works, what do those look like, though? I, I love it when I look at Scripture. I love um, uh, 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 Acts 2, verse 44 through 45. It says, now all believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed to the proceeds of all. One of the things that we're called is to, to take care of one another, y'all. One of the things I get excited about in this church is how we take care of one another. Man, when people have died I, in this church or passed away, I've seen us comfort one another. When people lose their jobs, I've seen people help each other pay for their bills. When people have kids, as Paul just said, people have brought meals to them. When people, hey, look, when, when a brother needs a date night, I got a babysitter right there, bam, you know what I'm saying? Praise God for the church and how it takes care of one another. How we, we need to continue to do those things. Now, I'm not asking you to go sell all your possessions unless you feel little, little, <laughs> but the Lord leads you to do that way and, 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 and divide it to all the people that you, you see have need. But what I am asking you to have a tangible, a tangible expression of, of, of your commitment to the good of those and to take care of one another. Look, I, I wish we could be, uh, listen, we use this thing where we're, we're, not, we're, we're not like a family. We are a family. The hope is that we will become more of a family, not like a family, but we are a family. If anybody comes to me with a need, everybody knows what I say. So every time somebody comes to me, you, can, you ain't got to amen me or nothing for this. But I'll say, like, like what, what? And they look, they're like, well, can you help me out with this? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm struggling right here, and I'm looking at them like, yo, 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 why you, you ain't got to explain nothing to me. We're family. We're family. So my hope is, is that, that we don't neglect that. We don't neglect that. But one of the things that I, 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 want, I want you guys to even hear is that, man, the, the point of what I'm saying even today is that we prepare each other to meet Jesus. That's our hope. That's our call. Excuse me. That people in this church, they don't just go walk away from this church and saying, hey, I had a great experience. These people are loving and caring. But, man, I hope they walk away looking like Jesus and worshiping Jesus more in their lives. Amen? 
Look, we have two responsibilities to remind each other that we're Christians and to help reinforce each other that, uh, to live our lives as Christians. So here's the thing. I love this verse in Revelation 19. I love this verse, and it's a beautiful analogy of, the, of a wedding, of, the, of, of Christ's wedding to his bride, which is the church. And in verse 7 and 8, it says this, let us be glad. Again, again, let us. I love this. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb, who is Christ, has come, and his bride has prepared herself. His bride, the church, has prepared herself. She, has, she, has, she, has, she was given Fine linen to wear, bright and pure. Listen to this. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Listen to this. Friends, we are to prepare, our, we are to prepare one another to meet Jesus. That's our, our responsibility to one another, that we will prepare one another to meet Jesus because one day he's going to crack that sky. He's going to come back. He's coming back for his church. And that's what we, hey, here's the thing. I was just telling somebody earlier today, one of the things I love about being an African-American, growing up in an African-American church, is just a, it was this ideal of celebration. Because one of the things the idea of celebration means is that, we are, look, 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 when you grow up, in, when you grow up in, as a slave, and the slave owner has ownership of you, and, and you're like, man, there's no hope. We're being treated poorly. So we celebrate the life to come. We don't celebrate here on earth, but we celebrate what Christ is going to do in the future. When it's everything, all things are new. We have the new heaven and the new earth. Look, listen, y'all, we are all been bound by sin at one point in our lives. We were slaves to sin. We were captives to sin. But Christ came and freed us. And so we don't look to this world for anything else. We look to Christ to give us our hope. Our hope is in the future. We're pushing each other to the future. We're pushing each other to the future to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecting our faith. When he comes back, he's going to crack that sky and he's going to uh, round up all his kids. He's going to round us all up, y'all. And we get and look at this. And our job until that happens, we prepare one another. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we have this call to prepare one another to meet Jesus. God, you've been good to us, so good to us, and so gracious to us, even in the life of this church, Cornerstone. Lord, I know, God, I know, Father, that I, even as I preach this, this, this sermon, Lord, I, I know that I fall short of this. I thank you for this sermon series because uh, I need the church. It points to our need for fellowship and community as a church. It points to the fact that we need one another, God. So, Father, if we to walk with you for a lifetime, Lord, give us the resolve to not be distant, not to fall away into other habits or to forsake the meeting and gathering together as you have called us not to do, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, for each soul here that we would love you with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength. And, Father, we would do the next thing, too, as well, love our neighbors as we, we love ourselves. And so, Father, we ask these things in Jesus' Holy and precious name. Amen.